0: Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Yeah, we got a good guest today. He's been on the show before uh, and is one of the best writers that we have out here. Um, uh, we have a mutual friend, executive producer of our show, uh, who actually is in love with uh, Coach Prime, but we'll, we'll dig into that later. The new head coach for the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, but Co- there, Co- coach, Coach Sub-
1: Prime, Coach Subprime.
0: Oh, there you see, there you go. Starting early, but Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone. Happy Kwanzaa and Happy Hanukkah to everyone who celebrates it. I'm going to hop right in because usually we start each episode by having our guests walk us through the arc of their career. But you're a friend of the show and you've been here before. You are the only person that's been more vocal than me about Coach Prime in Jackson State over the years. And you've got two pieces in Deadspin of Late where you take the position that Deion Sanders pimped HBCU culture to his benefit and that JSU losing the Black National Championship was foreseeable. Unpack your take on Coach Prime for me.
1: Well, um, the last time, the first time I was on here, we called this. We did. Uh, we got one thing wrong. We said he wasn't going to win the SWAC. So let us take this moment and apologize. We were wrong about that because he won it twice. Dominated, they, it. dominated dom- it. Dominated it. Dominated it but he didn't dominate the, the two games that meant the most that were set up for him to, win. um, uh, and then, yeah, us two uh, and Bamani as well, because me and Bamani Jones have had a lot of conversations about this have been the, the loudest and the most vocal, but which is funny. And I'm happy you said that because during this entire situation, there had been so many like fellow black, columnists and journalists, media personalities that I have talked to or have talked to me, text, phone calls, face to face, and they felt the same way. Mm. They just didn't say it out loud or publicly or write it or say it with the with the int- with the yeah, with the intensity we did, which is I was always like, but we know how this is going to turn out. Why won't anyone jump out on this clip with us? Uh, which is why it's so funny to see so many people being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I understand because you did call this, but you didn't call it out loud and proud as you should have, like you did behind closed doors. But I mean, all the remnants of what we saw was there. um, And I think what we can talk about on this show um, and why I was wanting to do this so bad is that we can add the context and the facts that were missing from this entire conversation. Which was too many white folks got into this conversation thinking that HBCUs operates like PWIs, correct? Uh, too many black folks <laughs> who who thought their blackness gave them some type of membership to this conversation about HBCUs, but you don't. But you only want to rock with us when you want to tag along the homecoming. Um, and look, we always talk about, uh, you know, we are not a monolith. Well, this is a flaming example of we are not a monolith because right. y'all yeah, was jumping in this conversation and didn't know how we operate uh, because the thing that was so off-putting and frustrating to me from Dion to Shannon Sharp to Stephen A. Smith, who just had some of the worst takes I've, I've...
0: But he graduated from HBCU.
1: Hey, man, you can you can come up the right way and still go wrong. Um <laughs> But the thing that was so frustrating about all of this was that people wanted our institutions to operate like white schools where athletics are their priority. And the simple fact is these schools, these traditions, these legacies were not founded with sports in mind and they never will be. Um, so yes. I, mean, look- it, I, tell, I try to explain to people, the best example I can give
0: you is Everyone will remember at HBCU who their SGA president was. Yes. There's a big chance they don't even know who their quarterback is.
1: Yeah. Uh, It is a completely, tell people all the time, HBCU culture is completely different from PWI culture. And if you want to go to another level, each HBCU campus, that culture is completely different. From another age. There are things we did at Spellhouse in the AUC that Fort Valley State and Jackson State and Howard and Hampton would never do. And that's just how they get down and how we get down. But this idea that all of this money that the football team bring in, because I heard the rumors and the allegations that a lot of this was over money that Dion's program brought in and the money wasn't going back to the program. I understand the frustration. I understand why the general public will be like, that's wrong. Why would they do that? Well, to us, if the administration got to choose between getting the football team some more jerseys or paying professors and getting these dorms in better shape, football is always going to be last on that list of priorities. Because these are schools where you go to them because sports are last on the list of priorities. You do not come to these schools because of a March Madness run or because of what they did in the college football playoff system. That,
0: that, that, brings, that ain't how we work. That brings me to my next question, though, because we're both fans, big fans of HBCU sports. So what happens when HBCU football is no longer on college game day and they're not looking at us anymore? What is what is Coach Prime's legacy?
1: Uh, flash of the pan. And and, and this was, is this was what I kept saying to people because, you know, you, you know this better than anybody. People don't read and people don't Google. Jackson State was the fourth HBCU on game day, not the first. <clears throat> um, this attention around the program in HBCUs the last couple of years is going to go away, but we've seen this before. Um, we've lived through the eras of the height of HBCUs. This had nothing on the 90s when it was on BET every weekend.
0: And you had Steve Air McNair. Who was and on the, the front page of front page of Sports Illustrated?
1: Yeah. Uh, a guy who, who who was actually winning something and not losing um, games and getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, we had the Bayou Classic on NBC being one of the biggest things of the year back then. It was just so many different outlets that people have forgotten about to where it came around this time for a new generation of social media um era and I know this was their first time experiencing but it's like no we, we've been here before um we will outlast the white gays and, and ESPN pulling up because they will pull up again at some point these things run in cycles but for all the preaching and the savior like and the God telling him to do all this I saw the, one of the greatest tweets I describe it was from from Stephen Gaither shout out to him he's an SJI alum like myself um runs HBCU game day who has been doing the work covering HBCUs for a long time. And he had a tweet that said, even Jesus was on his job for at least three years. So that,
0: so what, <laughs> what, could have, what could prom have done to make you, to be, play devil's advocate, what could prom have done to make you happy? Like if uh, you, if you get a, if you get a job offer to run the sports column at the wall street journal, <laughs> you taking it. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean like, so, but, and like so, what could he have done to make you and what's he supposed to turn now? Colorado's a hell of a job to take. I don't know why he took Colorado. Have, but, you, have,
1: you, have you seen that schedule next season?
0: Well, it I is, have it's a, ugly. It's ugly. And you know, but they it's a low bar. I mean, if they win four games, they've doubled their win total. Uh, yeah,
1: by by a lot. Um, I don't believe that the, that the devil needs advocates, but The simple question answer to that question. I'm stealing that by the way. That was a brilliant phrase. I I stole that from someone else, so you you (laughs) can steal it. Um it's not what Dion could. It's not like I'm mad he took the job or he took the money, which people think this is about. I'm not mad at anybody getting their money or getting promoted. The problem is you came in the door loud, proud, being Dion when this was the moment, this was the one time where we needed you to cut down the Dion a little bit. You want to be prime at Colorado? Cool. But when you come to an HBCU, it is not about you. It is about us and those kids. And when you came in the door talking, God told you to do this, and you were going to do this, and man, and this, and all of these things that you had no idea what you were talking about because you didn't research, Google, or ask anyone, and you made all of these promises, and you leave before a full recruiting class of yours congratulate. What did you actually accomplish? Because I had somebody do some digging for me the other day, and 37 kids from Jackson State are in the transfer portal right now. Oh yeah, I know. 37. Their program is in shambles. Which was the prediction the day he took the job. I had the screenshot from Facebook or Twitter when I said Deion Sanders is going to destroy Jackson State. And people thought I meant, oh, they weren't going to win, they are going to be anything. I was like, no, when he leaves, what's going to be left? And one of my good friends is a Jackson State alum. And for the last three years, I've been like, when did-? this has felt good for two years. But when this is over, that high he gave y'all is going to debilitate y'all in a way that y'all have not realized because there's there there's probably going to be some ncaa sanctions from somewhere not necessarily because he did something wrong but he has a history of being in places where things go bad secondly you pissed a lot of people off with that Travis hunter thing and the way that we know racism works in this country somebody probably made up or snitched or said something to get the NCAA sniffing around. And now all of these things that you said that you were bringing, you have not told us two things. Two, very interesting, Bamani brought brought this up. He didn't answer a single question about scheme at that Colorado press conference. It was just vibes, as the kids say. And two, he has yet to give us a plan for how this thing at Jackson State is supposed to continue at Jackson State. So we watched the video since y'all love to record and post everything. You said, oh, I hope TC gets the job. TC got the job. But it sounded like to me that that was a hope and a prayer, not a guarantee. So you didn't guarantee a succession plan? You didn't guarantee that is Under Armour going to stick around? <laughs> um, all these other- all.
0: With, in, the, in the era of NILs, and you touched on it briefly, mm-hmm. in the transfer portal and a decently weak Pac-12, how successful can he be at Colorado? The the Pac-12 is unsweet tea. I mean. He,
1: he can't. And it's not necessarily. Look at their schedule, who they have next year. And then I even peeked at the 2024 schedule. They start the 2024 schedule playing North Dakota State, who could win their 10th FCS national title since 2012 in a couple weeks. They've got Utah, UCLA, USC, <laughs> and TCU next year. And Oregon, like if you just look at who they have to play and how you have to rebuild a one in 11 team. And like I said, we don't know what he's running on offense or defense. We don't know anything about their style. It's just been dominate and believe. How does that translate? Because if you can't beat, and this is no disrespect, to North Carolina Central, South Carolina State, if you can't beat them with it matters, How the hell are you supposed to beat Colorado State in a rivalry game?
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes.
0: So let's move off prime. Let's move off prime. Let's talk about some other things going on that you know very well. Let's talk about NILs and a transfer portal in college football. Who are the winners and losers in college football in the era of NILs and transfer portals? And shout out to Dabo Sweeney, who said that he <laughs> didn't build his program <laughs> on NIL. He built it on God's NIL, which is God's name. Babe, it like this. That means he just give his players money in a Middle of a carved out Bible. That's all that means. Uh, uh, things uh, gotten out of hand, or should we be embracing what the portal and the NIL represents?
1: Well, one, I want Dabo and Dion stop using God's name, stop lying on God. Uh, that's what I want them to. Uh, but <laughs> to answer that question, the winners and losers of NIL are the kids, and it's like no one sees that. They're winning because they are finally getting some type of compensation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But they are not getting the right compensation because it just feels like no one's realizing that we're getting ready to go to a 12 team playoff, which means 12 teams each year going to play NFL schedule for free. I don't know how that's winning (laughs) Um, there, but they're also winning because they have freedom now. Right. If you want to go to a different school, if you want to go to a different school in the same conference. You don't need a coach to sign off. The yep. coach can't block you. You are an adult now, but what comes with that is dealing with the consequences of making adult adultism. Like we're all getting caught up in the money that they're making, even though it is chump change. Because I just saw the Big Ten sign a seven-year, seven billion dollar uh, media rights deal, and those and kids are getting. Ten. I mean, getting, that ain't
0: even. That's not even the best conference in football, and they getting that type of money.
1: Well, they uh, we're, we're, we'll, we'll say that for another day, but um, <laughs> you have that. But at the flip side, the losing of it is the kids again. The transfer portal was Buck Wild. No one talks about if you get in a transfer portal, nobody picks you. This is this is pickup basketball. It's it's two teams of fives. It's fifteen people out there. You don't get picked. And the other team they got next, and you walk up to the court and you number 16, you ain't playing for at least two games. Then after that, <laughs> it's a gamble. uh but but we don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, look, I'm happy they're getting their money. Um, it is also revealing how coaches like Dabo, uh Saban, and a lot of them, and and uh, what's my man down in UGA? I'm blanking right now, Kirby, Kirby Smart. I'm like we we are understanding how they really think about specifically black athletes and players and how they're interchangeable and their value and all of this, and I'm not necessarily saying nil needs regulation. I kind of like the fact that it's the wild wild west because I feel like eventually the 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 system <laughs> will, will evil will, will you know will, will level the playing field. It is buck wild right now, but eventually. People are going to see failures and be like, all right, I shouldn't do that. I should stay good. And this will calm down some. I just think it's so jarring right now is that that entire industry is completely upside down and people weren't prepared for it. Because um, We still got people complaining about cats not playing in meaningless bowl games. Yeah. And that's been going on for more than a decade. And it's like if we can't get over that. It's going to take a little while longer to digest the fact that cats is sitting out games Cause they like, well, I'm worth this much and I'm about to be worth even more. Yeah. I'm a chill coach.
0: You're a Michigan guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think you make light work of TCU, but nobody. Ah, no, no.
1: Hey, 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 uh, we are not sleeping on the Horn frogs.
0: I mean, they, first of all, they got the Heisman trophy winner over there. The quarterback. I don't care what anybody said. That dude, that dude should have won the Heisman trophy.
1: Well, uh, the real Heisman Trophy winner uh, suffered a season-ending knee injury for the Michigan Wolverines.
0: Um, well, yeah, that means uh, that, would, That's who would really want it. Well, if – I'm not even using ifs. I'm just telling <laughs> you this man right here throughout the season. Convince me that y'all can beat Georgia. How do y'all stack up physically against Georgia? Because last year we saw what happened when Michigan rode out that weak sauce against Georgia. They got blasted off the field. What happens this year?
1: Last year we were just happy to be there. This year – it hasn't been nationally talked about, but among Michigan fans, or if you follow the team account, they have talked about, like, you know, when the national championship beat Ohio State, when the Natty, like, it, last year we was just like, oh, we finally made it. No, it's like, no, win the Natty, there's, there's, a, there's a highlight scene from right in the second half of the Ohio State game um, if they showed Mike Sanders still, one of one of the, our DBs, bringing the players together, and he was like, this is the moment right now. This is the moment where we take over so we can win the natty. Like they were looking past Ohio State in a game to where they were still down against Ohio State in Columbus because their goal is to win the natty. Um, and there's this picture from last season, and it was on the screen people didn't pay attention to. It, it was JJ McCarthy uh donovan edwards and andrew anthony and they were those three our starting quarterback our starting running back and one of our top receivers who were all sophomores i believe but freshmen and they all stood on the field and watched a complete georgia celebration last year everyone else is in locker um and i was like okay i
0: mean that was a long that was let, a, well, the rest of the team got a chance to watch the celebration like yeah. midway through the third quarter because yeah. i mean it was it was,
1: yeah. it was over it was over after the first quarter. What do you mean? Yeah, it was. It was. We, we were cooked from the kickoff. But, you know, but I was like, all right, let's see if they do something with this next season. And they had, been like the back of their mind. Like they have are you. Been, are you I get the vibes, right? That's, that's no, they've about. been asking for the smoke. Like they were like, are, no. are, but
0: are you physically capable of like. Blocking. Blocking Georgia, like, are you physically capable of creating holes for your running game and protecting your quarterback and scoring points on that defense or slowing down the best tight end unit in, in 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 college football? I mean, is that do you have the talent to do that this year?
1: One, I think people are completely overestimating that this Georgia Ohio State game will be a cakewalk for Georgia. Two, I think people are understanding just how good this Michigan offensive line and defensive line is. And I think, and I understand why, because if you just watched a 32nd highlight of last year, you're like, these boys ain't even on the same planet. But I, I will tell you this and we can come back to this at a later date on another episode. If we get Michigan, Georgia, and I'm not even claiming a victory, even though I believe we can win, I believe that game will go in a different way than people think it will go. I think people think it's just going to be like, oh, Miss is going to get bullied. These Georgia boys is different. And I think that game is going to go in a way where people are going to be like, oh, no, like this, this, this is a game. Like they, this, this is going to be slugfest. Mm-hmm. Um, just because something's cooking different with this team. Like we were expecting the season to be over and Blake Horne went down. And it was just like, no, nah, they was like, no, nah, we good, we got it. And they went to another level and the offense opened up even more when Blake left because we didn't have to. We had to open it up. And we finally got to to use the toys we've been waiting to, to use. Like it was like little kids on Christmas. It was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, now we can now we can air this thing out, which gives a whole different dimension. It even helps to run game. So I, listen, I I I promise y'all on January 9th. If it happens, it's gonna be a different game than y'all think it will be.
0: Yeah, y'all might make it to the second quarter this go around. So let, let's let's <laughs> let's move on a little bit. So the Kyrie news has died down and he's playing well. Have we turned the page on Kyrie?
1: No. Kyrie's always gonna give us another page.
0: <laughs> always. Oh uh, listen. Bo- the book, book won't close. He just won't
1: <laughs> listen, he just won't shut up and dribble. Listen, listen uh, uh, <laughs> as as a as a Duke fan and like Kyrie's my second favorite Duke player ever. <laughs> I think he might be, if we look back, arguably the second most recruited in Duke history besides Tommy, uh, besides uh, uh, Johnny Dawkins. But like that dude, I have figured out a way to detach how much I love him as a basketball player to who he is as a human being. And it is really frustrating, right? Because like people like me and you, like we see all the money and all the good things he does for everybody like that man cut a check so that those women in the WNBA who didn't want to play in the bubble still got their checks because he was like I will cover the loss but when you just have a consistent history of saying and doing the things he's done over and over again and it always feels like he is that dude freshman year at Morehouse who was super hotep buying all the shirts from t-shirt man all the black liberation shirts remember t-shirt man used to Mm sell like Kyrie bought each one of them but never went to Woody to check out a book never took a class with Dr. Barstale to actually learn something and it's like I could possibly see where you're going But if you actually read the material, you would know not to go there. And it's like, I just want Kyrie to read a book. I want Kyrie to have conversations with people. I want Kyrie to think before he says things. He's he's the journalist or media personality in that industry that just shoots off tweets. And instead of putting his phone down thinking, maybe I, I, I should keep this in my pocket and That's what's got everybody so angry about this. It's just like you keep making the same mistake in different arenas over and over again.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details.
0: One of my last questions for you along the same path as, um, as Kyrie Irving, I want to talk about, and I don't know if you can talk about it. I don't want him to just buy spin and fire you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it feels like things got real quiet about Jerry Jones. And I feel like Jerry Jones got left off the hook and we need to put him back on it. Because I remember when Jerry Richardson had to sell his team. What should the punishment and accountability look like when it comes to Jerry Jones?
1: Uh, Well, it would help if um, Stephen A. Smith wasn't carrying his water. Uh, That that would help a lot uh, to not have the biggest name in sports who's on TV every day and all over the biggest network in sports who is black um, with his Captain America shield protecting Mm -hmm. you. That 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 if Stephen A Smith not being Avenger that 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 would help a lot, um, but with with Jerry Jones, and what people forgot about that whole Washington Post story was that like that story everyone got caught up on the picture right, which we should have, <laughs> and shout out to LeBron for for saying what he said, because that picture meant so much. Like I like I told him on CNN, uh, he was fourteen. Emmett Till was too. He was fourteen too. But that dude is the owner of the most profitable team in sports. There is no sports team on this planet that is worth more than the Dallas Cowboys. The amount of weight that that carries, which is why shout out to a journalist at the Washington Post for that story, nailing down the point.
0: Well, or, I mean, or Daniel Snyder. I know Daniel yeah. Snyder, was the one who leaked that picture. Yeah.
1: Or, or just <laughs> or just going down the list because people it was like people scroll. They saw the picture and they didn't keep scrolling to read what was written about how and how much of an influence of change he could have in this league. If he hired black coaches, if he had more black coordinators. If he just stand up and says something, if he wasn't the one always in front of the camera when it's time for his majority black roster to get a new deal. I remember a couple of years it was, I don't know, is that, is Zeke's worth it? Like, you just devalue that man. Now, it's play. It's play. We can argue about that. But, like, when you've got the dude, you got to negotiate with. Given the racial dynamics there and his personality, he gets in front of all the cameras and he was like, I don't know if you were worth your check. (laughs) That's, now you playing with my money on a different level. And with a Jerry Jones like that, as much as we want something to happen to him, it's not, this is America. Robert Sarver just sold his team for $4 million.
0: I know. (laughs)
1: Donald Sterling. That was his punishment. Yeah, remember, remember Donald Sterling's wife, she was like, oh, I'm done with him. We're a divorce. I'll take care of all of this. Look it up, folks. They never got divorced. That money's still Donald Sterling. Um, so yes, making these owners get rid of their team is, is as much as you can punish them in America, but they still gonna profit off of it. And this is the NFL. This is this is Jerry Jones is the dude who doesn't like Roger Goodell. And Roger Goodell is the dude who leads the league who is trying to get the Brian Flores case into arbitration where yep. Roger Goodell will be the arbitrator. Yep. That's how messed up this is. So as much as we want stuff to change and get better for the NFL and hold Jerry Jones accountable, this is why when these moments happen, we have to be on his head because when it gets to the NFL and football, they are never going to penalize him the way that's ever going to affect him in a way that's going to force him to change. My brother,
0: Karn Phillips. <laughs> I mispronounced it the first time. Merry Christmas. You've been doing I, it for 20 years. I know. Uh, tell people how they can follow you on social media and Deadspin.
1: Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, if we're going to be around on Twitter, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> At Karn J. Phillips. Uh, you catch me on Facebook. I do not do Instagram because uh, I will get in trouble if I was on Instagram. So I'll stay away. I'm a smart man.
0: Understood. All right, my brother. I love you. Happy fun. All, right. Happy All right.
1: Love you. Love bro, big bro.